Welcome to the Good Doctrine Podcast, where we believe that good doctrine establishes good living. I'm Sean Pasley. And I'm Josh Howard. We're on episode 53 today. Yes. And today we'll be talking about secularism. Secularism, what it is, what it do, and why it be the way it be. Podcast title. <laughs> secularism, it's, what it do, what it be. It's professional. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very academic sounding. I like it. But, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about the topic of secularism. I think this is the first time that we've ever given a a, a preview into, you know, last week we I said that this is what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is because we are unorganized, and sometimes we don't know what we're going to talk about until the day of. We've done, we've done uh, author interviews that we did previews of. Oh, we did. We so did. we've done a couple of those. Um, but this is, uh, this is a topic that I, at least I've been thinking about an awful lot recently, um, it's something that you have probably heard the expression, you know, secular, uh, it, you know, used in, in, in everyday, you know, a lot of times we talk about like secular music and things like that as Christians, but we want to kind of do a deep dive into what secularism is, uh, who it affects, how it's played out in the history of the world and, um, why it matters to you as a Christian. But before we do that, I just want to encourage you um, if you are a listener, listener, a long-time listener, and we say long-time, we've been doing this a year, once a week for a year, and uh, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful to interact with you. It's been wonderful to uh, to be able to share good doctrine and talk about theology with everyone, uh, but our reach only goes so far. So, you know, our Facebook shares only go out to like a few hundred people, but you, good people, if you are enjoying this podcast, if you think that um, the things that we talk about are important and are essential for uh, godliness and, and good living, then we, I, I, I pray and I hope that you would uh, feel compelled to share this podcast. We don't make any money doing this, and so we're not trying to increase our reach so we can make money, but we talk about the gospel an awful lot. We talk about Christian practice and, and Christian theology an awful lot, and it's something that I think that is, is very, very important for our world today. And so if you think, if you have a mind to, just click that share button. <laughs> click, click, follow, like, click, share. Yeah, like, subscribe, no, and but share. I mean, seriously, in, in, today's, in today's Western culture, uh, we as Christians have access to more than we ever have. You have access to more information about what's going on in the world. You have access to more worldviews. You have access to more, uh, you know, Christian material of, of various shades of Christian um, there, there's more out there, but along with that means that there's a lot more junk out there. You know, we're working through, uh, the book of Jude right now in church. There's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of wolves among the sheep. So part of what we need to be doing as Christians is recommending good resources to one another. And that's not yeah, yeah. just a tout for our show, but it, whatever resources, if you're reading a good book right now, uh, I mean, and when I say good, I don't mean just well-written. I mean like solid, helpful, uh, true. If you're listening to a good podcast, um, hopefully ours, you know, can fall into that category. If you're following a, you know, a, a, a ministry, whatever it might be, recommend those good resources because it seems that more often than not, the loudest noises yeah, out there yeah. are not the best. The ones that are the most popular are frequently not not the most biblical. Yeah, so there's, there's try a reason to, try to build each other up. Yeah, there's a reason why you know clickbait, as we like to call it, exists because you know sensationalism. Is is gets views, gets listens. Yeah. So, um, regard regardless of where it comes from, um, and what I what I mean by that is, 
if it's our podcast, if it's another podcast, if it's a, a book that is faithful to the scriptures and is encouraging and helpful for believers, you should probably share that. Yeah. Um, you should probably encourage other people to read or listen or watch just, these things. And just to kind of give a blunt example, um, when you click on our podcast, or when I clicked on our podcast the last time I was on Apple Podcasts, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah it, it picked up You Might Also Like. It was like the recommended resources, and the first two were uh, Joel Osteen and Stephen Furtick. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to bash the men at all, but are. it's just two podcasts you I are. would not want us to be associated with. So anyway, but yeah. but that's the way the world looks at it. They both use a Bible. Um, it must be good. Yeah. Recommend good good stuff to each other. Yeah, so so hopefully our podcast is a part of that. Been going on long enough about our podcast. Uh, let's talk about the topic of the day, secularism. So Josh, I always ask you to define things. And I don't like that role. But... Um, before the podcast, you have prepared yourself. I did. I looked it up. <laughs> you have a de- um, definition, as opposed of to shooting from the hip and giving my definitions, which are which are frequently uh, off center. No. So when you, when we think about secularism, uh, according to, to to the theological dictionaries that I was looking at, just for a, a broad definition, um, secularism is a philosophical way of interpreting the world around us that does not rely on. God nor the Bible. Okay. Um, and frequently it walks hand in hand with something called materialism. And we can talk about materialism in a minute. But just in general, secularism is a way of understanding the world around us or or a philosophical yeah, outlook. It's, it's a philosophy. Yeah, that, that does not depend on God. Um, okay. And you can start to you know work through those practical examples in your own head. That means that when I wake up in the morning and I have a headache, um, I, I think about those things in terms of the natural world around me devoid of God, as opposed to saying, well, God's going to, you know, teach me something through this and God has me in his hands and I'm going to pray to God. Um, right. This is something that removes God from the picture and says, no, 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 we're just going to look at what can be seen, the, the tangible. And the implications of this philosophy uh, of secularism, um, and it is a philosophy, you know, like you would say, like stoicism uh, or, you know, rationalism, you know, those things are philosophies of life. You know, uh, secularism is as well, uh, but it can kind of infiltrate into uh, everything, you know, from how you raise your kids to the government, how a government operates, which is kind of a lot of what we're going to be talking about is, is secularism in, in government and in politics, kind of. Right. But uh, it, it can permeate all avenues of life. Uh, as Christians, we have a particular philosophy of life that is rooted and based in the Scriptures, uh, the Holy Bible. We hope. We hope. We should. Or, yeah, I, I do. I don't know about you. Uh, I but, struggle. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. But I, yeah, my philosophy of life and uh, the way that I uh, interpret the world around me, and to use your expression, you always talk about the lens with which we, you know, right. so sometimes we talk about theology in the lens we uh, we look through, uh, or we look at Scripture through, but the lens with which we look um Oh my goodness! The lens that, that 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 I guess interprets our world, you know, our philosophy of life, should come from the scriptures as a Christian. And we so often, without realizing it, not to cut in on no, you no, there, but for it. It, it's it's so it's so easy and so tempting for a Christian. You know, I joked about you know struggling with this worldview. We all do because when we hear a secular worldview, which we hear on you know we hear it from television shows, we hear it from school teachers, uh, we hear it from anybody that's that's not a believer who's not following God, um, the secular worldview is very attractive and very permeating, and it's something that they don't realize they have, and it's something typically we don't realize why there's a conflict there. You know, there, there's the old adage of the, the fish, the last thing the fish would ever notice is the water. 
Um, oh. Yeah, you know, a fish lives in the water. It swims right. in the water. It's That's its natural environment. If you asked a fish why it was wet, he'd have no idea what you're talking about. He'd like, yeah. this is this is how things are. Yeah, what are you talking this about? This is existence. Yeah, there's no other way to be. Um, that's, that's what these worldviews are like. So it's always good from a Christian perspective uh, to step back and to realize not only what our fishbowl looks like, the the thing, the the way we interpret the world around us, but also those of people uh, who are not believers in God, because people yeah. outside the faith do not interpret the world nor the things that happen in the same way that we do. Yeah. So part and parcel and, and you know, hand in hand with secularism is atheism. And when I say atheism, I don't think that that, that term necessarily needs defining, but that just means that it's... it's um, Void of religion, void of uh, worship of a of a god, a creator, and this means atheism isn't anti-Christian. It's anti-religion. It's anti-supernatural, anti-spirituality. It's you know based in logic and reason mm. and uh, empirical data, so to speak, which is it goes hand in hand with secularism. So one of the things, one of the um, proposals of secularism is that secularism being being uh, you know uh, existing and seeing the world without a supernatural lens so to speak is crucial for uh, modernization of man modernization of culture uh, it's it's crucial secularism is crucial for People moving for yeah, moving yeah. forward in society and that any and sort conversely, of, a, a belief in religious things is is backwards thinking. Yeah, these poor, naive, cave dwelling people who are stuck in the past, who are not evolving and Absolutely. advancing, and all those things. And I think that's a that's a and that's that's you know the secularists' mindset, and that's something that I think that Americans are very familiar with because we have um, in our culture we know there's a lot of hostile atheists, and I say hostile as in not that they want to kill us, but they are. You know, you got guys like Richard Dawkins and um, Christopher Hitchens, who's passed away, and you've got these vocal atheists, even scientists like Stephen Hawking, uh, who you know they would have these grand speeches on why Christianity, because it can't be proven empirically and logically and you know reasonably according to their standards, why it doesn't ex- doesn't exist and why it holds mankind back. Yeah, and and just a just a little rabbit trail. So atheism especially in the West, atheism's kind of taken a turn in recent decades. So you had like the old guard atheism, which atheism is just, you know, the prefix a or ah just means, you know, the negation of. So it's atheism, yeah. uh, a rejection of theistic belief, uh, which is a belief in God. But uh, so you got the old guard atheism that was, we're okay with Christians. We're willing to debate them. But at the same time, we think you're, you know, dumb and wrong, obviously. So it was <laughs> it was a rejection of Christianity, but it, there was still so, some so, some sort of, you know, mutual respect that was garnered there. The new atheism is kind of characterized by an abandonment of any sort of any sort of veneer of of uh, civility. Civility, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's if you've watched recent atheist debates, you might have noticed. I mean, you named a couple of the guys, but a vitriolic hate. Yeah. Like un untethered. Th- well, this is because just a plain in their front, right? Because and again, because atheism is so linked to secularism in their and in their mindset, they can't just stand idly by and let the world go to hell in a handbag. Well, they don't believe in hell, but they can't just stand by and and let culture and and civilization go backwards on their watch. Yeah. Because ultimately and you like like you said, if you if you live in America in 2020, like you've heard this this perspective um 
you can have the most brilliant Christian theologian, you know, in in this generation speak, but the second they speak about, you know, hell, heaven, salvation, yeah. sin, they're backwards. They're yeah, yeah. holding back civilization. They're you know behind the curve of history. Um, so so the eighteen year old community college you know a- uh, atheist guy with a fedora is you know infinitely more brilliant. You than just the, offended all of our listeners that wear fedoras. The fedora wearing community <laughs> don't wear fedoras, y'all. We're getting protested now. Um, but yeah, so secularism se- secularism is inseparable from atheism because the 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 secularist mindset is we should remove religion and religiosity uh, and the idea that your religion should impact me in any way, we should re- remove that concept entirely. Yeah. Now, this plays out. We, I, I mentioned that we in the States talk about secular music a lot. So we say, essentially, that anything that isn't Christian music is secular music. Right. And, yeah, that's like technically true, but I think secularism is— it, we have kind of a weird understanding of that word yeah. because secularism extends itself into governments. And we in the States, uh, us Christians in the United States, like to hang our hat on the fact that the founding fathers, uh, a lot of them were Christian believers. A lot of what's considered in our Bill of Rights and in our Constitution, they're based on Christian principles. A lot of the foundation—in our young country, you know, the U.S. is not even 300 years old yet— but um, the uh, a lot of the the foundations of our country were rooted in essentially Christian principles and and, and Christian mores and things like that, uh, nor, you know normative things. And so we'll say that uh, the U.S. is a Christian nation, and we expect a lot of times uh, for our leadership to be Christian and for our leadership to promote Christian ideals, and that is anti secular. I mean, right. to the extreme that that we would want uh, our leadership in the United States of America, which is a country of diverse people, all different types of uh, religions, you know, can operate under our uh, the banner, so to speak, and under our Constitution. There's freedom of religion and things like that. And, and a lot of times Christians in the U.S. demand that our leadership promote Christianity in some way. Right. And that is an anti-secular mindset. Yeah. Uh, secularism would say that... The government exists entirely apart from, uh, you know, the capital C church, that there's a separation of church and state, that the government is not beholden to the whims of any sort of religion, so that, uh, you know, for example, a Hindu person or a Hindu group couldn't influence change within the government to, to do things that would make it easier for Hindus to exist and harder for Christians to exist, or, you know, Islam wouldn't have a... Uh, 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 certain privileges that the rest of the country, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't benefit from. Secular, uh, uh, the idea of a secular government is that, and, and this is, you know, obviously the the ideal of a secular government is that every person is equal under the law, under you know the the, the government, equal in the eyes of the government, and, and that I, there's not one worldview that, I guess, dominates. dominates. Yeah. Hey. Great minds. Um, You owe me Coke. So, no, like when you you think, so like when Christians, and and I'm going to say this delicately, or I'm going to try to anyway. So when Christians think about freedom of religion, uh, you know, if we're thinking about things like why can't our kids pray in school and why can't our kids, you know, do, let's just take prayer in school, for example. Um, If your kids go to public school and you wish that they could pray openly, well, they can pray openly in school. And I think all the states in the 
And the, uh, yeah, they're not going to get expelled. Right. For but, but as far as like organized prayer, the way it used to be practiced. Yeah. Uh, led by a school official or something like that. Uh, we would say there's freedom. Uh, there's freedom for religion. So we have religious freedom. Uh, we have the, the the freedom to practice religion. Well, the secular pushback would be, and, and there's a historical precedence for this in the way our country was founded, there's also the perspective of freedom from religion. Sure. And that's how the secularists would approach this. They'd say, yes, we believe in religious freedom, but not a, a freedom for you to practice religion, a freedom for us to be free from religion. Yeah, so yeah. if you look back at the founding fathers, there was a, a large influx, you know, America is not monolithic. All the founding fathers didn't have the same beliefs. Right. But a great number of the people that settled in, in the United States uh, settled fleeing from religious persecution. So, yes, they wanted to express their freedom of religion, but they were also wanting to exercise freedom from religion. Mm-hmm. Um, those two are not synonymous because when you talk about prayer in school, that's a freedom to practice religion not a freedom from the observance of religion. And I think in America in general, we've trended far more toward the latter, freedom from sure. religion. Yeah, and, you know, there's the, there's this mindset that— uh, and it's easy to to take opposing sides in, in a conversation like this, right. and it's easy to get on, like, way one end of the spectrum. So, for example, it's easy for us to say, man, why did they take prayer out of schools? Well, they, you know, the— the big air quotes, they, why did they take prayer out of schools? Prayer was never taken out of schools. If I want, in, in the in the States, if I want to pray, uh, or if my child wants to pray before they eat their lunch or pray before every class, they're allowed to do that. They're not going to be smacked upside the head because they, they bowed in silent prayer. Right. Um, but the facilitation of, you know, prayer for all the students by a, a a teacher is a government official essentially they're you know a government worker in a public school that has been removed because our government has become more secular and when you said and that's because there's this mindset of I don't want my kids subjected to your religion right so freedom from religion and so when people say you know when they talk about freedom of speech and and you know the the freedom of religion you, when you say they trend more toward freedom from religion that's what we're seeing now and I've never seen in the, you know, we're, we're very, in the States, you hear our government talk about how diverse and how multicultural, you know, our culture is, our American culture is. But I, in general, from the people that I'm familiar with and I'm, I'm friendly with and, and, or in, in person, I've never seen anyone say, man, it's so great that my child can go to a public school where there are Muslims and, and Hindu worshipers and, and atheists. Usually people are concerned about their space, their religiosity, their, you know, their particular brand of, and this is every religion. And for good reason, because if you subscribe to any religion, that means that you believe that it is the only way. And that means that you, that's how you, what you want your children to believe. It's what you want uh, your family to adhere to. So I can understand that mindset, but the secularist and what's, you know, what we're seeing a whole lot is that might be fine for you, but that's not fine for me and mine so keep that out of the public square i was about to say it's so when we we uh we helped in a church plant in edmonton canada uh which is way far up in into canada um edmonton and canada in general but edmonton particularly um large city that prides itself on the influx of uh, people of different ethnicities and nationalities from all over the world so they have a very welcoming immigration policy they want 
pretty much every nation of the world represented there. And if you go to their mall, um, you, you, you can see it. Like there, there's everyone you can think of in the world. Yeah. Well, they would pride themselves in their schools. I heard parents talk about what you just talked about. Isn't it great that we have, my kids can go to school with Muslims from Saudi Arabia, yeah. with uh, you know Hindus from India, with any, any ethnicity and religious affiliation in the world uh, are represented there. But that's because Canada has kind of a different mindset toward those things than yeah, America yeah. historically has. Uh, the United States kind of has a, a, a specific idea about um, about religion and the way it interacts in the social sphere. Yeah, and 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 this is kind of I don't think this is off topic, but you know America likes to promote ourselves as the most diverse nation and the melting pot. The melting pot. Sure. You know, we talk about and uh, the way that diversity works in our country is it's you know yes there are diverse people groups and there are diverse beliefs and there's uh, a, a huge amount of different interpretations of the world that exist in the states, but those people generally don't blend together. And I think that the, I think it's because of secularism isn't as strong as it is in places like Canada and Western Europe, mm. because Western Europe prides itself on its diversity, but it's that diversity is. Well, all these different people, this, these these immigrants here from Saudi Arabia and these immigrants here from the states, and and this these uh, uh, black people and these white people and these Asian people, we all exist for uh, and from our different spheres and our different beliefs and different understanding, but we exist for a common united goal, and that's for the glory of Great Britain or for the glory of France or Germany or wherever. Whereas you see a lot of times in the states that we just embrace diversity on kind of a surface level but because we have our government isn't doesn't push secularism as much there's nothing to unite us or there's not much to unite us mm. that's kind of a that's a whole podcast episode that's a whole podcast but but I but when you talk about Edmonton and you talk about people saying it's great that my children can experience you know other religions and other things be you know because they they when they come home they they understand that it doesn't affect or not that it doesn't affect anything because it we know that it does right. but that it's you know th- th- they have the mindset that religion is personal and shouldn't affect the rest of life right but so what's the difference now so we talk about secularism and and atheism lots of uh, isms in this, yeah, this isms. podcast so here's another one humanism yeah what is humanism how does it kind of coexist with secularism what does it mean so historically I just lost everybody by saying historically. No, but I mean, humanism kind of caught on around the time of the Enlightenment. So if you think of, you know, a couple hundred years ago, Enlightenment thought started to take off primarily in Europe. And you have this thought called humanism that started to become very popular. Humanism is just kind of a, I mean, just a, a I did not look up the definition of humanism before this podcast. So this will be the Josh Howard definition. It's yes, just good. kind of a belief in the progress, the natural progress of mankind. Okay. Uh, mankind can do better if equipped. Mankind will do better. Uh, what we see tomorrow is going to be better than it is today. Um, because humanism, we know more, we're, we're yeah, like we, said, better we, equipped. Yeah, we'll know more. Uh, it, it, it walks hand in hand with evolution mm-hmm. because uh, essentially, again, you have to take God out of this equation. God's not part of the equation in humanism. This is just a belief in the fact that mankind can inherently naturally do better if we know more and we're better equipped. Um, this is where you get, you know, if you go back to like the 60s and 50s and you look at drawings of what 2020 was supposed to look yeah. like, and we've got spaceships and everything's, you know, immaculate and our buildings are, you know, taller than... 
that's humanism. It's it's just the belief that like we're gonna keep doing better down the road. Yeah, we're gonna stop having wars pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be like Star Trek. We're all just gonna like explore space and yes. it, Star Trek. And it is I mean, absolutely honestly, a humanist. It's yeah. a utopian view. They of, describe humanism at length. Yeah, um, we got to a point where we got better mm-hmm. and we stopped having all those quibbles and stuff. So yeah, uh, it's a it's an inherently unbiblical worldview. Because uh, when you read the Bible, you realize that there is nothing good in man, that man Absolutely. from the beginning has been sinful, um, has trended toward our own destruction, and is incapable of truly growing without uh, without having the Redeemer, uh, you know, repair our relationship with our Creator. Absolutely. So humanism doesn't work, but it's a really popular idea. Humanism plays out in a myriad ways in our society. Uh, why do we try to reform prisoners in prisons? Mm. Why do we try to pump education into uh, not just impoverished areas of the world, but violent areas of the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do we have, um, if you've ever heard somebody come up for trial and they start talking about their upbringing or their access to education or access to jobs and stuff like that as a, as a uh, explanatory tool of why they turned out the way they did. And I'm not discrediting every single instance of those things. But that is humanism. But that's humanism, yeah. Yeah. If So what do my, like if I was to look at humanism with my kids, what do my kids need uh, to be successful and to love their neighbor and to do all these things devoid of God? Let's just remove God from the equation. If I'm a humanist, well, they need education. They need access to yes. access to uh, you know social structures. They need good jobs. They're going to need so humanism and you know by proxy secularism denies the depravity of man, denies the the sinful state of man. Like you said, that our, our inability to make anything of ourselves puts, apart put, from God puts an extraordinary value on education. Yes, um, and uh, so how does uh, secularism, um, which you know, which is a uh, is Again, part and parcel with atheism and part and parcel with humanism. How does secularism address things like good and evil? And and last week we had you know the episode on theodicy. Why does why does God allow evil? And so theodicy is how the Christian addresses the problem of evil. But how does the secularist? And so you you mentioned like why do they pump uh, or, or pump time and effort and uh, resources in, like education and, and you know. Um, food banks and things like that into violent areas. And can you, can you kind of expand on that yeah. some more? Um, and, and once again, I think it's probably a good thing for us to try to do things to help violent and yeah. impoverished areas of the, the world and country. I'm not saying, you know, neither one of us are, are suggesting but it's, otherwise. But it's what is the, the change? What, right. what affects exactly. change? What's, what's, what's truly um, at issue here? So if, if you were to interview a secularist or, or an atheist, and, and I've seen, who is the one guy that did the video on these that was so compelling? My mind fails me. In, in any case, if, if you were to ask somebody who is coming from a humanist worldview, this is just, you know, removing God from the equation. I believe in human progress, those type of things. Why is something bad? Uh, why is why is violence against other humans bad? Uh-huh. Why, if there's, if there's a part of one of our cities that is just erupting in violence, there's murders, there's rape, there's theft, all these things, why is that inherently bad? The only thing they could come up with is, at the end of the day, if they if they weren't going to be self contradictory, they would just have to say it's bad because we say it is. Our society has deemed that it is bad to murder because it does not help society progress. It doesn't help humanity grow. We don't keep going forward. Um, it's not bad because God says thou shalt not murder. It's, right. it's not bad because humans are made in God's image. Uh, it's not bad because we're beholden to a creator. It's just bad because we've decided it's bad. Well, that sounds good, and you might you might does think. It? 
Well, no, it sounds terrible. But, I mean, you might think, well, okay, what's the problem with that then? You know, we in America, let's just say we're, we're trending toward the Star Trek society. We're going to be flying spaceships if we can just figure out all these things uh, and get better as humans. So, yeah, we say as a society we want to get to that Star Trek level, so we're just going to say murder's bad, and we'll just move forward with it. Well, that's fine, but if there's no objective reality that you're appealing to, mm. and by objective I mean it doesn't change based on our whims and desires, which is subjectivity. Yeah. If there's no objective truth, no objective right or wrong, then if you lived in 1939 in Germany and you were to say, is it wrong to commit genocide against Jews and other ethnic groups? Well, you'd have to say for them, no. Well, yeah, you'd get a different answer. It's not, it, it wasn't wrong for Nazi Germany. Right. It actually helped, uh, you know, and I'm saying this in an extremely crude way. It helped what they were trying to accomplish. The Nazi regime, what they were trying to accomplish, it was helping them. So if you were a secularist living in that society, you'd have to say, if there's no objective truth, well, yeah, this is okay for us because it's making us progress. Now, we would look at that and say, well, obviously it's wrong to kill. Obviously it's wrong to commit genocide against, uh, against people made in God's image. But why? Like you asked, if there's not an objective standard, God says... Uh, then you're left with the whims and desires of man, and that will always trend toward destruction, not progress. Yeah. I've heard uh, I've heard another reason for the promotion of secularism and humanism, and that is uh, personal liberty. So uh, it might not just be as 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 pithy as because we said so, or because this is what society does, or even as you know maybe as humanist is saying like uh, this is what we need to do to progress forward, but. I've heard a lot of times that the the root of secularism or is or why we do not do certain things or how we deal with the problem of evil, so to speak, is does it infringe on other people's personal liberties? Right. It's so, not hurting anybody. Yeah, or if it is hurting any someone, that's where you stop. Mm-hmm. So murder, theft, you know, all the crimes they affect other people. But uh, and this is very you know the American libertarian right? right I can why won't you let me do hard drugs that's only affecting me uh, why won't you let me I don't know shoot a machine gun in my backyard up into the air that's only affecting me right um, and that's a that's a very humanist idea about you know or not not humanist but but it doesn't affect anybody else so why why should you be bothered by it and I think that we've talked before about. Um, presuppositional apologetics and you know the idea of according to what standard are you arguing your case from or is there even a standard and we see in secularism there's kind of this moving you know depending on what day and age you're in or or what country you're in there's this moving scale of what's acceptable and what's not um what is actually bennett because when you mentioned uh you know the beginnings of, of nazi germany they were very humanist and they believed that the eradication of these people would forward human, you know, humankind, or, or would 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 progress humankind in a way, and so they they were not basing their uh, uh, is this right or wrong based on an objective reality, like the objective moral reality that God says, "Thou shalt not murder." Um, it was is this best for the common good? And I'm, I'm gonna go out on a which limb. is not, but go yeah, ahead. it's not. Um, we're against Nazis, and we're not yeah. afraid to say so. <laughs> we're not afraid to say so. Um, the uh, so brave, yeah, so it is brave. brave. Virtue signaling. Um, no, when you when you were talking about the shifting standard, the the thing about secularism that I think is so interesting is it sounds good. Like what you just said, it doesn't sound. I keep saying it sounds good. Uh, it may sound good to someone who is not a believer for us to say we should just say. 
you know, the complete libertarianism. If it doesn't affect anybody else, I can do hard drugs in my backyard and shoot guns at my own foot and do whatever I want to. Um, That doesn't affect anybody. It never doesn't affect anybody. It always winds up. And if, if, if you need something, and this is, this is kind of a, you know, hot button issue right now, but if you need a current, uh, you know, way of thinking about this, look at the transgenderism debates in the United States over the last 20 years. So right now we're living in a day and age where not even 20, 10 years ago, things that people were saying as just common assumed facts back 10 years ago, and I mean liberal atheist people, um, they're now being canceled and, you know, driven out of town based on now. Tra- the, the entire argument of the sexual revolution that we're living in in America is not live and let live. It's not let somebody be sinful on their right. own time. It is you must affirm this. Right, right. That's the whole debate. It has nothing to do with somebody in their own backyard. It has everything to do with we as a society demand you affirm these principles because it's, it is simplistic for us to assume that you could have societal values that don't affect the society. Right. If they're societal values, we will demand our society recognize them. And but that's that is an argument for secularism and complete removal of your values right. are are not going to affect anybody else. So you you saying wh- why do you have views about gender roles and sexuality? You to say, well, because God has said right. that is inherently hateful and it's holding people back. That's why we're right now encountering Christians labeled as hate speech yeah. or as hate mongers. Why? Because it is holding back what we as a society with our shifting uh, baseless uh, you know, dividing line, what we have said now is good. Right. And so when we talk about this kind of sliding scale of, of morality, this sliding scale of, of what is actually acceptable— um, you know that that that's that's uh, a part of secularism. Would the secular now? I'm going to ask you this easy question: Would the secularist say the person who wants to be uh, uninhibited, so to speak, by religion? Would the secularist say that you can be a good person apart from religion? Yeah, because your religion doesn't you know need to tell me how to be a good person i can be a good person cuz i'm not stepping on anyone's toes so we'll, we'll throw another ism word well it's not an ism word but it's close anthropology anthropology is just the study of man mm-hmm. um, you know you might have taken an anthropology class in college or something like that when we talk about biblical anthropology it's what does the bible teach about man there is probably nothing more disgusting and backward and offensive that a christian could say to the secularist world other than Man is inherently sinful. Yeah. It is the basis of our understanding. Christians, it's the basis of our understanding of who are we as people? We are fallen creatures that need a Savior. I mean, this is one of the catechism questions for our kids, right? Um, The Redeemer teaches us, or the law teaches us that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. Right. Um, That is completely antithetical to the secularist humanist worldview. Because we are we are good people. We can yeah. progress. We just need more information, more training, more education, more status, more skills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so, yes, there there is the belief in progress. I mean, how can you get to the Star Trek level, to keep punning back to that illustration, how can you get to the Star Trek level where we are so good, we have just given up all of our worldly possessions, we're just united because we love each other and want to make our society progress and all where does that come from? It comes from an inherent goodness that the Bible says we don't have. Right. And that right. practical experience teaches us is it's a farce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got on a little soapbox there. No, no, no there, that's a really but good it's point. But a, it's a flashpoint. Who is So man? who are the secularists? So 
to to address that issue, who are the sec who are the big name secularists that we can see? Wait a second, that guy said that we can progress as a society if we have this, and yet he just went backwards on everything that he said. You can't name a single one. You thinking of all the communist dictators? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, well, here, here's here's my point is I'm not t- thinking about like some dude that we know, but all the the so I'll, co- I'll start to think of all the political candidates for this. No, cycle. no, 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 okay. no. So you know, it's 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 real uh, it's real in in vogue right now to say that communism, real communism, has never been tried because because the it's yeah, when they you, just never got it right. We're yeah, get it right. when you talk to a, a an American communist now and you say, hey, well, look at Mao Zedong and look at uh, you know Kim Jong or all the the Kim Jong Un fam- families and or Kim Jong Un and Kim Jong Il and Kim Il Sung, uh, so I guess the Kim family in North mm-hmm. Korea. You look at uh, Vietnamese dictatorship and and Russian dictatorship. Oh, that's not ever that's not real communism, uh, is what they always say. But communism is is secular. It's atheistic and it seeks to remove religion from you know the public sphere and not even not even say that you practice it in private but you shouldn't practice it at all because it inhibits you know mankind's progression in a very humanist way we're gonna we're gonna move forward we're gonna progress as a society we just might have to imprison and maybe even kill millions of you to do so right right and so we see that even you know by the secularist and the humanist own standards you know, when 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 the rubber meets the road and push comes to shove, we see that well, they just fall into the same trap that right. you know they've fallen into for thousands of years, and that secularism really you know has no moral standards, and so they can just make up their own. And you know, uh, if if you can't tell me that there's an objective standard of good and evil, then I can say what good and evil is because it's for the forward progress of mankind. Well, it's like the there there's this. I don't think I've ever mentioned this on here, but. There's the, the age-old philosophical question they, they pose like in philosophy 101 and bachelor level. Uh, if you have an entire village and they're living out, you know, they're completely isolated on some mountaintop or something, uh, this whole village, they can either live lives that have a lot of pain and a lot of sadness in them and just kind of kind of dreariness, but overall pretty good, but still they could be doing better. If you could take that situation and just put one person in abject suffering and have everybody else in the village enjoy perfect peace and harmony and joy the rest of the time because of the suffering of that one person, the constant suffering of that one person, mm. is it worth it? Well, from a secularist worldview, we would say, well, of course it is. Yeah. Um, this common, this, common good. Yeah, this and is the that. common good. This progresses the society. Once again, punning back to Star Trek when Spock's dying in the. I'm really letting my nerd show today. When Spock's dying in the engine room, and he says the you know the good of the many outweighs the good of the one. The um, needs of is, the many outweigh the needs of the few. Oh, look at you! You talk well, about Star Trek nerd. Don't don't tempt me. Well and, done. <laughs> fist, fist bump over the mics, but. It's, it's, it's the belief in the society dictates what is good and what is not good. Right, we as right. Christians would have to respond to that and say, well, no, because that person is deserving of dignity. That one person is is made in God's image. That one person, uh, because we're appealing to a standard that's not based on what overall we decide as a society is good, but what on, on what God has said is good yeah. eternally. So secularism, we have pretty much asserted that, and I know we've kind of gone into government and whatever, but secularism... In a for a person for a personal worldview, we have pretty much said it is it, it's obviously wrong because we assert that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God is the Creator, that mankind is sinful, that uh, we are in need of a Savior, and so we don't want to be void of religion, so to speak. 
Um, we want to follow what the God of the universe has told us. You know, we want to obey Him. We want to to think like Him, and and uh, and God inspires and affects one hundred percent of our. You know, the Bible says that in God we live and we move and we breathe. You know, God is permeates our our very being uh, as Christians. So the secular individual that is a inherently negative bad thing uh, for you know in the Christian worldview. But let me ask you this. And this is, we'll, let me interject okay. too. It's probably just as just as important to point out. It is it is inconsistent and damaging for the Christian to lapse into a secular worldview. Okay. So it's it's perfectly we're people that live in contradiction. We're people that that are perfectly okay with not making logical sense in our lives. The way we make decisions, like we as people, and I mean like every person on this planet. We, we're not logically consistent. We right. lapse in our worldviews. We, we, we make mistakes. Um, for the Christian, we should always be on guard against falling into a secular worldview, whether it's in, a, in one decision or whether it's in a certain area of our life. When we fall into those things and stop weighing things against the eternal revelation and truth of God and start instead relying on these things we've been talking about, um, at best, we're being inconsistent, but at worst, we're damaging uh, a lot of things in our life. Yes. So, um, amen. So let me ask this. Uh, uh, the secular individual, no bueno, don't do that. And this is not the right way to ask a question the, or ask the question, but I was going to ask, do you think that a secular government, a secular authority, uh, one that exists outside the scope of religion, or you know, they would, they would want to out- exist outside of the scope of religion, and I was going to say, do you think it's inherently bad, but... We would say yes, because we want everyone to know Jesus is Lord. But do you believe that, and maybe I'll ask this very specific question, do you think it's bad for Christians to live in a secular society? Bad? No. Okay. So can can you maybe, (laughs) can you elaborate on why it's not bad? Like, and... Bad is so vague, and you're really serving up a man. I don't know what you're, what I'm you're doing. Serving today. up a bowl of spaghetti. Well, here, or, let me let me just um, say I'm going to say words, not you. Oh, okay. Uh, let let me use my words. Yes. And I'll, I'll instead of asking you questions and then letting people infer what I believe, I have been recently frustrated with our current United States political. Everyone has been frustrated with our United States political climate. That's clear. Um, it's a mess, but. What I've been most frustrated with, I think, is the assumption of Christians that the government should serve Christian interests. Okay. That's what I've been frustrated with. I understand that um, our Bill of Rights and our Constitution and, you know, the the worth that we place on and, and the intrinsic value that we uh, ascribe to humanity is the, uh, the the Constitution and the Bill of Rights do is because the Bible does. You know, we value the individual, we value the person and their rights and their liberty and their freedom. Um, and so I understand that, I appreciate that, and I'm so grateful that I get to live in a country that does value individuals and does give me personal liberties and does allow me to say things about the government without fear of persecution and death, does allow me to practice my religion in any way that I choose. It's great. The United States is a wonderful, wonderful country. Um, I don't think, though, that ever in God's Word He calls governments to coddle Christians or to be completely, what's the word? Or, or, or I don't think there's the expectation we we see in Scripture. There's there's never the expectation that governments should be completely 
what, what's the word supportive of Christianity? Providing for providing for Christianity. Yeah, so it's kind of it. We, it's we, a reliance on the state. Okay. And, and when I say state, like if capital you're listening S. to this, yeah, capital S state, like the state, um, the governing entity. We we as Christians so often fall into this, and every political cycle preys on this uh, among Christians. Um, the idea that for us to solve societal ills, of which there's many in the United States, um, so just pick one of them. I think abortion is probably the easiest one. Uh, abortion is the murder of the unborn. Um, so we say that's a that's a bad thing. It's how we react to that. So if your primary, and I say that specifically, if your primary main focus for addressing the ills of abortion is an appeal to the state, um, that's putting our focus on the wrong thing. Your appeal should mm. first be to God. Um, and that's not that's not something trite or quaint or, or uh, that means that you should be appealing to God to address the these ultimate things. authority. Yeah, the not, king of kings, not the state. But we so often fall into that mindset, and we we would give lip service to God and say, "Oh yeah, we need to pray about this." But ultimately, we're saying, "No, if we can just get um, a different Supreme Court justice in place of this Supreme Court justice, we can affect the state. The state will will solve our our issues." Um, and I'm trying to be really careful with the way I'm wording this because, of course, we want judges who will make just and right decisions. Yeah. Of course, we want even Christians to be in roles in government where they can uh, make good and right decisions. But, the but that's reliance, not where, yeah, that's not where our ultimate faith should yeah, lie because right. we'll be disappointed time and time again. And, and another thing that I, I mean, kind of the main thing that I'm getting at, too, is expecting that the government is going to make concession for uh, just cr- Christians at all, right. let alone— expecting that there will be Christians in the government. And, I mean, people read the New Testament. Caesar was not a Christian. Pontius Pilate crucified Jesus. Pontius Pilate wasn't Caesar, but he was a governing authority. And, you know, through God's providence and God's decree, Pontius Pilate allowed the crucifixion, carried out the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, You read First and Second Peter, and those books are how to exist in a world that hates you, how to endure suffering. I think we forget that so often with the whole New Testament is written to people living under a government that is progressively hating them more. Yeah, more, more and more. At, fir- at first, regarding them as like, okay, this is a weird sect, right, and right. the Jews hated them, and then pretty soon, everybody hates them. Yeah, um, yeah, the, 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 you know, at the... It was right after re- uh, the book of Revelation, or right before, you know, there's some debate, the, the temple of... Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed, sure, yeah. and um, I mean, like the government, the the government was not pro Christian, right? And uh, you know, sometimes we have in our mind that the country that we live in should be supporting us. You know, in the U.S., we have churches have tax exempt status. Um, you know, where, where churches don't have to pay taxes like businesses do to the government. Um, you know, we have a lot of freedoms, a lot of blessings. And, and I'm not spitting in the face of the government because I am very grateful again, to have been uh, born and raised in the United States. And, and I'm very grateful to be a Christian in the United States. But here's another question. Has secularism ever has a secular government or this, or secular humanism in a, uh, um, a, a, a worldview system or the majority worldview system? Has it ever hindered the work of the gospel? Never. It's never hindered the work of the gospel because we know that the work Matthew of the gospel. Twenty eight eighteen. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right. Therefore, go and make disciples. Right. We never and 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 look at the Bible. The Bible is 
if you want to talk about and and interestingly enough, um, the Roman culture wasn't a religious or a religious. You know, they had their own religion. They had you know what we talk about mythology today, but that was kind of secondary to the emperor worship, the man worship that uh, that was prevalent during that time, uh, where they believed that Caesar was Lord. So saying Jesus was Lord was an offense to Caesar and, and the state. But no country has ever squashed Christianity. Right. North Korea, what's con- considered the most closed country, the most hostile to the gospel, the most hostile to uh, Christianity, has Christians in North Korea. Uh, China right now has Christians in China, and they are communistic, atheistic. You know, they have state churches, but they're not true churches. No government has ever squashed the Word of God because we know that God's Word is powerful. The gospel is powerful. God will save whom whom He saves, and that doesn't matter if you're living in a secular society or not. And so my... Maybe, maybe encouragement or maybe chastising, I don't know, is to not get so bent out of shape when our country deviates from Christian social norms or social mores because the work of the gospel will never stop. And if anything, and this is this is hard to say because I, I enjoy being comfortable and oh, I enjoy absolutely. Being, being not persecuted, but at the same time, I'm mindful of the fact that it is far more dangerous historically. It's far more dangerous to the Christian church when the government acquiesces to our moral uh, standards, but denies the God that gives them. Mm. That's more dangerous than outright persecution. When our government has patriotism replaces uh, the lordship of Christ. So when we have a government who will reflect, you know, yes, murder is wrong. Yes, uh, you know, stealing is wrong and reflects good moral distinctives from the scripture, but then denies the God behind them. We can kind of fall into that trap of of what's been termed moral therapeutic deism. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that like as long as we kind of live this good life and we're kind of punting to this God in heaven, you know that's what this is really about. As opposed to being a radical disciple of Jesus yeah. Christ, um, when there's nothing to lo- when you don't have any there's nothing to lose from becoming a Christian. You can become real fat and lazy yeah. as a believer. And historically, that's that's been the case in the Christian church. The times of the times that that the government has played nice with the church has been some of the most dangerous times for the Christian church in history. Yeah. Whereas the times of fiercest persecution brought about some of the times of fiercest growth and rejuvenation within the and, church. You know, the, the Lord prunes uh, his church. The Lord removes, you know, the wheat from the chaff. And so it's really, uh, and in times of, I don't think the U S church is really experiencing what I would call persecution or suffering in, in the, in a broad sense, maybe some pockets here and there, but um, when push comes to shove and when, you know, I keep using these expressions, when the rubber meets the road, when things really get intense, you will see who's, you know, who's are the lords and, and who's were just there because of the, the laser show. Because the donut holes. The donut holes. Mm-hmm. Do we do donut holes here? Well, we used to before COVID. Okay. So, yeah, we don't do donut holes, so we, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're the wheat. Uh, so let me ask you this, just kind of a way of wrapping up. In an increasingly secular culture that uh, the U.S. is becoming, or in a secular culture that exists somewhere overseas, or maybe you're in, in you know, the north, uh, Canada, and uh, you're listening to this, what is the, our responsibility for the next generation? Because we can whine and moan and say, man, when I was a kid, uh, and I grew up in the 90s, and I know that that makes you think that I'm really, really young, but I grew up in the 90s, and when I, when I was a kid, I didn't have to see naked women on the back of buses. I didn't have to see, you know... Uh, you know, guys kissing on TV, and man, I sure wish that we were back in Mayberry. 
I, I can do that. I can whine and moan and say that. But what is my responsibility as a Christian now for the next generation of believers who are probably going to see worse things than you know we can imagine in the in the public square? What 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 is our responsibility, Josh? Man, that's a big question. I I think I guess what you're angling for is to encourage a Christian worldview. Um, we have to, and I say encourage a Christian worldview, but really what I mean is grow strong disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're called to make disciples and teach them to observe all things that that Christ has commanded of them. So I'm just thinking of my kids. I'll just, I'll just kind of make it personal. So like when I think about my kids and they're going to grow up, I remember going to Europe when I was, I went to Germany when I was a little kid. Um, and I remember we flipped on the TV and they had a soap commercial and it was some woman completely nude uh-huh. lathering up with soap. And of course my mom about had a heart attack and I was just, you know, shell shocked that this was on television. Um, that type of thing, that type of shell shock is going to happen for parents. You know, when the cartoon comes out on, on the streaming service that looks like a children's cartoon and it has open LGBTQ, uh, themes. And, IA and, plus. Yeah. IA plus. <laughs> so yes, we're going to have to deal with those things with our kids, but what I want my kids to be is so strong in their faith. So fall, so closely following Christ. So, so firmly interpreting the world around them through Christian lenses. Yes. Um, I want that to be their default operating worldview, and I want it to be grounded in God's Word, and I want it to be fueled by the fact that they're disciples of Jesus Christ. They're in love with the God who's saved them, thus they are interpreting the world through how He how He interprets the world. If we get that, it's not going to matter. I mean, I, of course, we don't want to see these these evil and ugly things on television or on their phones or wherever, but it's 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 not going to matter. It's not going to eternally affect them. Um, they are going to be able to, no matter how dark and devious and evil the culture gets, um, it will not. It will not affect where they stand. Yeah. As the world gets dark around us, we're supposed to shine brighter because we're not affected by the darkness. Yeah. We're we're lit by the light of Christ. Yeah. So it's not an. It's just, it's not just ignoring the world around us, and it's not bemoaning the fact that we can't go back to some bygone era where things were better. Um, it is recognizing evil for what evil is, but then encouraging one another to live brighter as the world gets darker. Yeah. And that's not easy, and that's not. It's not just a. It's not just an overnight thing, but that's what we're called to do as disciple makers of Christ. Yeah. And so as our world gets uh, more and more, and our, our nation gets more and more uh, secular and all religious, atheistic, um, even I think our culture is, is less all religious and more just straight hostile to Christianity. You know, we're seeing that a lot in our, our culture now. But as our culture gets more and more hostile to Christianity, we can't rely on... I guess the 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 cues of like you said the bygone era you know yeah. moralism isn't enough um being rooted and grounded in the word understanding the god of the bible knowing why it is what we believe is more important than ever yeah. and I have friends you know who have very young children who are have recently been saved and I think about my own children and your kids and uh you know I just we we want to Pray for them because our world is going to look different. Every generation, the world is going to is going to look different. Yep. But um, you know, we don't we don't rest in being comforted by the world. We rest in the comfort of Christ. Yeah, and uh, and we are sheltered under His wings. So I'm very grateful. Again, uh, you know, I was kind of negative a lot of this episode, but I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had to exist in a country that has allowed me to practice my faith, allowed me to to flourish and to thrive and to sit here and uh, have a podcast without 
fear of it getting shut down. Although yeah. videos have been being removed from Facebook, and so I'm kind of concerned about that. Yeah, they have. Um, Enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, so uh, all that being said, there's way more to this than we could have said. We could have probably taken a straighter path, but hopefully a lot... Well, let me just say this. A lot of our discussions and a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast, we're kind of just inviting you into conversations that we're having anyway, and, and maybe you've never thought about humanism or secularism or... Even atheism. Maybe you've never really thought about these things. So if this has kind of opened your mind, if this has kind of um, got you thinking about something you haven't thought about, let us know. Yeah. You know, send us a message, uh, gooddoctrinepodcast at gmail.com. We didn't even get into existentialism or anything We didn't. Um, There's a lot. There's a lot. But... uh, Yeah, gooddoctrinepodcast.com. Gmail.com. And on the Facebook. On the Facebook. uh, On the Facebook page, or it's a group. If they're still letting us... Uh, yeah, post on it is. There. Uh, you know, more people interact with us when I post a meme, so I'm gonna keep the memes coming. But if see what you've done, listener, you <laughs> see what you've done. Uh, if you uh, if you'd like to talk to us more about it, I, you know, get in touch with us. Talk on the Facebook group because other people probably have the same questions that you do. Uh, if you disagree with us, let us know in public. Yeah, 100 percent um, of the time, if you have a question, someone else has someone else has that 100% same question. 100 of the time. Um, but as as far as resources go for the topic of secularism. Uh, I'm going to suggest something I just saw this morning. So recently a podcast was released, and I we, we thought of it first because I said it last week, but a couple of days ago a podcast was released from a... They're copying us. Yeah, from a podcast crew called The White Horse Inn, and uh, they ha- usually have really good podcasts. Uh, I haven't listened to this one all the way through, but they have a podcast that came out recently called The Challenge of Living in an Increasingly Secular Culture, and it's specifically referring to American culture. But um, it's interesting. There's some few points. Sometimes the reason why you might read a book or listen to a podcast is just to kind of see where they got their cues from, like what resources they're using too. So I think that they plug some other resources as far as secularism is concerned. It's good to good to listen to. They, they do a lot of similar podcast, or they've, they've done a lot of episodes that are similar to that one as well. Yeah, so just, I mean, kind of cue into the White Horse Inn. Um, even if, you know, I know that, uh, a lot of people listen to this one because they know us personally, but there's a lot of good theological, um, stuff out there. And we try to, we try to give you, give you that. So yeah. do you have any resources for secularism? I don't, I suggested one to you, uh, prior to the show and you were dismissive of it. So I don't have, no, I'll, I'll recommend one. It's, it's, it's related. Um, Jay Grisham Machen wrote a book called, uh, Liberalism and Christianity, I think, was the title. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, it's 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 an older book. Um, he's obviously gone on at this point, but uh, it's a fantastic read. It was written several decades ago, and yet you could have been see, written yeah you can see the waves of um, and and it discusses a lot of those same things themes and secularism. But yeah, read read deeply, read broadly, um, and recommend those good resources to your friends. I'd also recommend First and Second Peter. Read First and Second Peter. Uh, it's Peter writing to the dispersed ones, the those who Peter wrote that a long time ago too, but I think it's still applicable and helpful for Christians. <laughs> yeah, read still first, a good read. First Peter is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, you know, we talk about apologetics and all that good stuff. But read first thing of Peter. Read uh, Jake Gresham Machen. Yes, read and your whole Bible and read it frequently. Yes, uh, we do hope you'll join us next time. And in the meantime, we pray that your good doctrine will establish good living. Mm-hmm.